Welcome to A Court of Swish and Flick, A Court of Thorns and Roses podcast. To the people who look at the stars and wish, we welcome you to the second episode of A Court of Swish and Flick. And this episode is sponsored by Angeline Bauer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Tiffany. I'm Megan. I'm Katie. And I'm Sarah. And today we will be discussing chapter one of A Court of Thorns and Roses. So make sure that you follow us on your preferred podcast listening platform and share this episode with your friends because if you liked it, they will too. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Court of Swish and Flick and on Twitter at ACOSAF. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, head on over to patreon.com forward slash a court of swish and flick. Supporting our podcast keeps us going and it gives you access to our exclusive Facebook group and Discord channel. Thank you all to our current patrons so much for your support. If you have any questions, concerns, or just have anything that you would like to send us, you can do so via email, which is a court of swish and flick at gmail.com. Akosaf. Acosaf. That's what that's what we're called. Acosaf. <laughs> Acosaf. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, well, that's what it is. Is what it says. I struggled for the longest time calling it Akatar. You did. I remember that. But Akatar. a quart of thorns and a quart it's of just, thorns and roses is a mouthful. It is literally so. a mouthful, and Akatar, Akosaf, just it's easier. Akamath. Akawar. 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 Akafas. Akasif. Are we ready? Yeah. yeah. We're going to talk about this. This is oh crazy. <sighs> Chapter one things happen. This is before all the other stuff. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Well, the series opens with Feyre hunting in the forest. Everything is covered in snow and ice. And I think that this is great because now, you know, having read obviously this book in the series, but it shows a really great contrast of where this book is going because she's going to be spending her time in the spring court and the weather is like opposite. And I thought that that was pretty cool because she's got a rough go of it, my friends. Not that she ever really has it easy per se, um, but I just thought that that was, that was interesting is an opposite. And so the way that Feyre talks about her positioning lets us know that she's a seasoned hunter. It's not her first time in the woods. And she is hungry. And she's doing whatever it takes to get food on the table. I'm laughing because I immediately pictured like a werewolf or like a vampire. Oh. Which I know she's neither. She's just genuinely they are just um, in just need of person. food. Yeah. Um, the, so the world that's being built looks like really bleak. Like the woods are empty. She has to travel farther than usual, um, for even just a chance of bringing food home and that it feels like it's been over hunted because maybe people are starving. Like we're just trying to get a feel for, but for, they are. for the world. They are starving. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But like as a, as a beginning reader, um, these are the, the, the cues we're picking up on. Like it's pretty sad. Mm-hmm. And 
so how, what are we what are we calling Miss Bass? <laughs> I want to say the author, but like she's Sarah, and we already have a Sarah. SJM. Yeah, sure. SJM. So SJM says, Here there were no telltale trees stripped of bark to mark the deer's passing. They hadn't yet moved on. They would remain until the bark ran out, then travel north past where the wolves' territory and perhaps into the fairylands of Prithian, where no mortals would dare go, not unless they had a death wish. And so the country girl in me was like, Oh, I don't know what they're talking about. She could also be talking about when bucks rub their antlers <laughs> on trees. So I grew up in the country. And so, like, when fall comes, when autumn comes, you can see trees in the woods that have sections of bark that are ripped and peeled away. And so this is usually white-tailed deer in the U.S., and they rub their antlers on the trunk and it's called like buck rubs and so you just if you're hunting you look for those signs on the trees so you know that those um trees are where bucks were so they'll be passing through the area so i just thought that that was a little fun fact for everybody something new every day <laughs> so when i read that i assumed that it was like because the doe that we see is eating the bark right but i bet it's both and i like that you brought that up because mm-hmm. I did not know that that was a thing. So mm-hmm. that's just things, you know, when you grow up in the country, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we get. Um, we're introduced to the term Prithian. And as we know that it is dangerous because that's what favor thinks. Um, we know that there must be immortals because Feyre says that no mortals would go there. You know, foolish mortals and all. Oh, you knew it was coming. Welcome So there, of course, is a wiki. Right? Court of Thrones and Roses dot dot com slash wiki slash Prithian. So Prith... Yes, Akawiki. Um, so Prithian is a continent where the main storyline takes place. It consists of fairylands and courts as well as the slice of mortal lands. And actually at the beginnings of the book, um, there in the ebooks too, you get a map. Mm-hmm. And so you can I like see that. Yeah, you can see where everything is, which is pretty cool. Looks very much like the United Kingdom. Yes. That's why the story is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so just the thought of Prithian makes Feyre shudder. And she refocuses on hunting and she's building this world for us in her head. So like we know everything. So basically this is a good cue as to like how separated the the human the mortals right and the fey are and so she's just trying to focus on trying to survive in every moment every second of every day and there have been warnings from other hunters in the town that quote giant wolves were on the prowl and they were in numbers and strange people had also been spotted in the area who were tall and eerie and deadly are those fairies then I would Fae, think so. Yeah. 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 
Well, we know that there's a hole in the wall. Right. Mm -hmm. There's three? At least two. I don't know. There's a couple holes in the wall. It's weakening. Mm. And so the history of the area is that it's a two days journey from where she's at to the Prithian border. And not the Prithian. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, to the Prithian border. And there had been towns that were left in splinters, bones, and ashes. And the talk of those things used to be rare, but in recent months, it was common whispers that would be heard at the marketplace every day. So, like, things are starting to change, um, especially with, like, the giant wolves, the tall and eerie and deadly-looking people. And so... I don't know. You can just tell that that things are starting to change from kind of like peacefulish, even though it's a very sad situation, to kind of more like dangerous in a different kind of way. Stuff stirring. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And Feyre had risked a lot by going into the forest that far, but she's willing to take that risk, even though she didn't want to come become a meal for a wolf or for a fairy. And there's a lot of world setting up in this chapter, and we really need to understand, like, the desperation and the situation that Feyre and her family are in. And they have been slowly starving. And she thinks about the fact that you can see her ribs, and she describes herself as gangly. And she tries to quiet her mind again and just kind of, like, take in the snow-covered woods because... She doesn't want to see the look on her sister's faces if she returns home empty-handed. She's so much pressure on her. Mm -hmm. A lot of pressure. And you know what? Like, I know that this book is, like, really compared to um, Beauty and the Beast and all of that. And I did make that connection. I think I I I texted Sarah that earlier. Yeah, Hunger Games later on. But, like, Nesta and... Elaine remind me of like not that they're ugly but the ugly stepsisters too because that's all you get from them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in this book and I mean here and this is part of why um I don't love Elaine but I haven't seen her point of view yet we're like right I get with Nessa where she was waiting for her father to do something because really he's the adult he's their father and he did nothing um and then you're like almost to the point where like you're she's like so stubborn. So like she's stubborn enough to like waiting for him to do something. And then it gets to the point where like, you know, he's not going to do anything, but it's also you feel like you can't do something because it's been too long and you're already set in your ways. But Elaine could have planted some vegetables. <laughs> I've never thought about it. Did you make that up yourself? Or did no, you get that someone on the internet, internet was like, you're not, you're not wrong. Yeah. She loves to garden. You're not wrong, my, my dear. But I do get, like, again, it's now, we're, we are in winter, so, like, times are always harder than right. anyways. Right, but um, there's... Times is hard. Is can we, like, can something? I don't know. Is canning a thing? <laughs> I'm sure canning is a thing. Um, all right. So, Feyre is crouched and hidden behind a quote, cluster of snow-heavy brambles, which I just love some of, like, the words that she uses and descriptors and stuff. It's just makes me feel like I'm reading 
a magical book. You know what I mean? I don't hear the word brambles very often. I like it. Mm-hmm. Say it. Use it in your everyday. Do you like brambles? Is this going on your list? I, you know, I don't mind brambles. Okay. Um, <laughs> she looks through thorns. Now, I just want to point out this is the first mention of thorns in A Court of Thorns and Roses. So, Ayo, felt like it should be said. <clears throat> she looks Are we going to see a court? Probably. <laughs> a court of what? Thorns. Milk. Water. Roses. Um, so she could see a clearing <laughs> out ahead and a small brook was flowing through the clearing and there were holes in the brook, which indicate that there have to be animals using it for water or, you know, she's hoping something will come by soon because it's clearly not an untouched area, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, this part very much, very much gives me Hunger Games vibes, very like Katniss or Gale. Mm-hmm. Um the the hunting, the desperation, the starvation, the the weight on Feyre's shoulders reminds me of the weight that is put on Katniss and Gail's shoulders. Even like so, she's like being. She said that she's gone like further than she's supposed to. Mm-hmm. And with Katniss, she like actually goes that. beyond the border. Yeah, to hunt right. And like yeah, the, the untouched lands. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is that what it's called? No, I touch land. No. They make it think of Lion King. <laughs> you never go there. That's Universal Studios. <laughs> um, and you know, like she's clearly a good hunter, very much like Katniss and Gale as well. Um, so Feyre sighs and digs the tip of her bow into the ground, and then just like leans her forehead against the wood because. I'm assuming she is exhausted for many reasons. Mm-hmm. Starvation being one. Mm-hmm. The the next being that it's cold outside and she ventured further than she ever has. And thinking about the fact that she has to go back to her house as well. Um, so they she's thinking in her head, like, they won't last another week without food. So there are already too many families that had s- started begging at this point in the winter. Um, and she's thinking, well, you know, by the time I were to start begging, like the wealthier folk have already given out all of their handouts, the little amount that they even do. So like it would do, it would do nothing for her to beg. Um, and this also reminds me of the Hunger Games, like Prithian, the capital, though not really, but you know, like full of wealth, et cetera, mortal lands, Mm -hmm. district 12, but not as much punishment, just the like no resources you know yeah sarah did you have your hand up um but like she they i think part of it too is like she also knows that like they know wealthy people because they were once part of that group and they've done nothing Mm -hmm. but shun them yeah yeah Yeah. trash people shun the (laughs) non-believer so she focuses on the sounds of the forest trying to listen for something that she can hunt and i love the description of the snow right here SJM says, the snow fell and fell, dancing and curling like sparkling spindrifts, the white fresh and clean against the brown and gray of the world. That's some Taylor Swift lyrics right there. Right? Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Um, so in this next paragraph, we get an idea of what Feyre, I guess, hopes for or wants. Um and again, this is a quote from the book. Once it had been second nature to savor the contrast of new grass against dark, 
tilled soil or an amethyst brooch nestled in folds of emerald silk. One side dreamed and breathed in thought and color and light and shape. Sometimes I would even indulge in envisioning a day when my sisters were married and it was only me and my father with enough food to go around, enough money to buy some paint, and enough time to put those colors and shapes down on paper or canvas or the cottage walls. So she used to be able to see in color, light, and shape. So this is telling us she is definitely an artist at heart. Mm -hmm. But now her focus needs to be elsewhere for her family. So she wishes one day for her sisters to be out of the house and basically so she doesn't have to provide for them and Mm -hmm. that it will be easier for her to just hunt for her and her father um, and hopefully bring in enough, not only food for them, but enough things for her to then go ahead and sell in the market and be able to buy things that bring her joy, such as painting and canvases, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. I think it's too a little bit foreshadowing where we do see later on that she can't paint like she doesn't see anything yeah i think it's connected to um depression in a sense so like Mm -hmm. she's clearly depressed in this moment of the book because she states i couldn't remember the last time i'd done it bothered to notice anything lovely or interesting um and you can see the ebb and flow of this throughout the series when she's happy She is painting so much like you think later in this book when she, you know, when Tamlin gives her all of the paints and canvases that she wants. And she is literally just like every single day, you know, dawn to dusk painting Katie. It's so sad too, like when because right now she can't like allow herself to have the colorful thoughts that she would normally just be natural to her. And like she'll think, but that's a waste. So I'm not going to think about it. Yeah, it's sad. Tiffany. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> thought of Sarah's, Sarah sends me memes all the time, but there's like one was like favorite painting and then they show the picture she painted and it's like horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some terrible looking stick person. <laughs> I do, I do find it funny. Like, how funny would it be if like everyone's just lied to her and she really isn't like that? She's like artist? a terrible. Which is like we all know that's not true, but it is like something funny to laugh at. <laughs> oh God! Oh, I hope I can find that. I that's follow funny. this one girl on TikTok who like has started a project to do all of Farah's paintings. It's really cool. They're so beautiful. Yeah, I have to find her name and maybe on the next episode I'll I'll name drop her TikTok so that you guys can go in and check it out because I really love the project that she's doing, but, um, but you can like see the ebb and flow of this depression throughout the series. And, and when she is feeling really good, she is feeling artistic and she's feeling creative and she wants to paint. But whenever she is really, really down, she literally can't like, it is just a mental block. She cannot paint. She just has no desire, maybe not no desire, but she can't see the colors that she wants to create. She can't see how she would want to like put this to paper. Would you say? Well, that I think. Oh, sorry. can paint with all the colors of the wind. Mm, all yeah. the colors of the wind. <laughs> well, I was gonna say later on, she's also really triggered by certain colors where yes. she mm. can't even look at them without having like uh, flashbacks. PTSD, basically, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, here is where we also learn of Isaac Hale. Good old Isaac. Um, 
And the line in this chapter is, stolen hours in a decrepit barn with Isaac Hale didn't count. Those times were hungry and empty and sometimes cruel, but never lovely. So Isaac is mm. Feyre's previous romantic relationship before she becomes involved with fairies. Um, I pulled this from the wiki, FYI. There's really not a whole lot on him, just that his appearance, Fair comments that Isaac's body was built between being a boy and a man, and she does say that he's handsome. Um, I don't know if he's, like, a love interest, because she's, like, not that fussed about him. She's, like, they just kind of, like, had what they had. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it was just to It was have a sexual a release. relationship. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, a release from the tensions and hardship of From life. the hell that she lives in. Yeah. Like, literally. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, we'll learn more about him later, but that is her sexual interest at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there are bushes that rustle across the clearing and a small doe appears and she immediately draws her bow just like out of instinct almost that deer like she is. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. (laughs) She. Like, that is a big prize. That deer could feed her and her family for a week. Um, Maybe even two if they stretch it. And her mouth is literally already watering just at the sight of the deer, at the thought of having it, which is, it's really sad. I mean, it's like, that's the desperation, you know? It's not like it's cooked in front of you and you smell it and you're like, right. oh, delicious, like, I'm salivating. It's like, oh. This live animal... I like I need you to survive. Yeah. It's literally like all the way boiled down to survival instinct. Yeah. So the doe is eating bark off of the tree and she thought about how she could immediately they could immediately eat half of it. They could make stew, they could make pies, they could sell the skin for money or they could turn it into clothing um, and they could dry the other half to extend it for another week. Feyre needs new boots. Elaine needs a new cloak. And quote, Nesta just would crave anything someone else possessed. These are, I am, I'm personally not a fan of Nesta. So I just cannot stand her in this book, especially. I mean, she definitely gets better. Don't get me wrong. I can appreciate her character a lot, but like, God, she is a bitch in this book. I just cannot. I cannot. Well, she's the only one that goes after her. I know. True. I mean, her and I don't like her or Elaine. Uh, so I don't want to single out Nesta. I don't like either of them. I don't appreciate, I don't like either of them in this. I don't appreciate either. how either of them treat Feyre. Yeah. Um, so like she's thinking about all these things that they can do with this deer and her fingers start trembling. Just like thinking about how much food, how much salvation like this deer could bring them. This could mean living for longer through this winter. Notice how she doesn't even say living through the winter, living longer through this winter. So like not even optimistic that they're going to make it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, It's a really dark thought. So she double checks her aim and Literally, I am assuming she is like about she is about to get this deer and she catches two bright golden eyes from the brush, literally adjacent to where she is. And the forest is silent. Mortals. This is she says and explains that like mortals no longer 
kept gods to worship. Like they just forgot all about that whenever the fairies were separated from them. But if she had remembered their names at this moment, she would have prayed to them. And the wolf had its sights set on the doe. But I want to have a quick conversation here. This wolf has to know that Feyre is there, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that it does because like it knows that it's on this specific mission. Mm-hmm. So like we know that this is Andrus. Is that how you guys say his name? That's how I say his name. That's yeah. how I say it. Um, and the reason he's out in the woods is because of the curse on the spring court. So I just like wanted to do a quick little call ahead to like what this is. Um, so the spring court is one of the seven courts of Prithian and they are cursed right now with masquerade masks on their faces. Um, So in the time period of, oh, hold on, sorry. Okay. During the war, the spring court, nope, that's not what I want. Where am I? Here it is. Okay. So Amarantha, who we know is the bad lady in this book, we'll (laughs) learn about her later. She hosts a masquerade under the mountain for herself. So a party, (laughs) she said, to make amends for what she had done to Lucian and a masquerade. So he didn't have to reveal the horrible scarring on his face. So the entire spring court was to attend, even the servants, and to wear masks to honor Tamlin's shape-shifting powers. And he was willing to try to end the conflict without slaughter um, as like a peacekeeping peace offering. So when the entire spring court was assembled, Amarantha then claimed that peace could be had if Tamlin joined her as her lover and consort. But when she tried to touch him, he refused to let her near. And um, she wanted a dose of Tamiflu. She wanted a dose of Tamiflu. (laughs) Good gosh. Oh my God, I love that. (laughs) (sighs) Um. So basically, she gets real pissed and is like, (laughs) you don't want to be with me? All right. Well, I'm cursing all y'all with these masks on your faces and then sets up this entire thing that like the only way to break it is. True love's first kiss. (laughs) No, he has to make a um, mortal woman fall in love with him. Yes. Mm -hmm. So this is the part that is the call to the connection of beauty and the beast, basically. Um, So he has to try to convince a mortal to love him. So we know this is Andrus trying to fulfill this, I guess not prophecy, but um, just trying to fulfill what needs to be done to basically help the spring court out of the situation that they're in. Um, so in my eyes, he knows that Feyre is there, know that Feyre, knows that Feyre is armed, already has a bow pointing at this doe and is just kind of, I mean, like he knows, he knows why he had to go out there and he knows that the point was to sacrifice himself if the situation came about and here it is. Um, holy cow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I didn't really think of that. Yeah. But think of like it's either that or like if they don't try to break the curse, like what's better? 
going out there and like essentially sacrificing yourself or going under the mountain with Amarantha where like anything could happen yeah. and you see how she thrives on like cruelty. they could die anyway jeez and more than one could die like at least this way if one of them goes out I mean we know that more than Andrus gets killed but you know this could be the better route for the spring court to break this than dealing Talk with about a sacrifice because yeah. you don't get to reap any of those benefits right you're literally, literally doing it for die else. for everybody else yeah jeez so she sees that this wolf is enormous the size of a pony and her mouth just turns bone dry he was also so stealthy that the doe didn't even hear him at all and he was like literally walking towards the doe um, and if he was from Prithian, if he was a fairy, then being eaten was the least of Feyre's concerns. Yeah. And if he is a fairy, she thinks, I should already be running. So this is just reiterating, like, humans, since the separation and all that, like, all they know about fairies is fear and, like, basically to hate them. Um but then she thinks, well, maybe it would be doing the world and my village and myself a favor if I just kill him now because I have the upper hand. She thinks he doesn't thinks see me. Does. He doesn't know I'm here. Um, and she thinks it would be no burden to put an arrow through his eye. But then she's thinking, even though it's a huge wolf, like because of his size, like, is he fairy? Is he not? He looks at mo- moves like a wolf. Um, and she tells herself, no, no, it's just an animal, just an animal. Don't worry about it. Um, thinking he was a fairy made her, her head less clear and she needed to stay focused. Um, so she goes over the weapons that she has on her. There's a lot of weapons in these, in these books. Um, she's thinking I have a hunting knife and I have three arrows. So she's got two ordinary arrows, which she thinks that's probably just going to feel like a bee sting to a wolf this size. And then she describes having one arrow carved from mountain ash. With an iron head. So I looked up mountain ash because I was curious about that. If it was even like it's what we a do. real thing or whatever. And it is mm-hmm. like, and she even describes it as a tree later on, which I didn't realize the first time through. So it's called an American mountain ash. It's called the witchwood tree. Um, hmm. If you go back to the That's 18th cool. century Europe, they would tell you that to use mountain ash wood would guard you from keeping witches away. What? So I thought that was... Nesta's witch. (laughs) Pretty interesting. Witchcraft. Um, Old folklore tells stories of people planting mountain ash trees near the front of their houses and burning twigs to lay outside their home to ward off evil. Oh my gosh. So it's kind of just like one of those superstitious... Yeah, hoodoo voodoo things (laughs) that doesn't do anything. Um, But actually, this, this does. This has... Like, ash really does affect fairies. Um... But I don't even think she's positive of that at this point, which I think I'll talk about in a little bit. The little berries on this tree are pretty. <laughs> it is a pretty tree. <laughs> um, so she goes on to like describe that even since they were babies, like they were sung lullabies about how fairies hated iron, which we know is actually total bullshit. <laughs> it doesn't affect them at all. Um, Accurate. But that it was ash wood that made their immortal healing magic falter long enough to give a human a fighting chance. So at least that's what legend and rumors say. The only proof that the mortals have of this 
is how rare ash is. Um, Feyre's only seen drawings of the trees because the High Fae burned all of them a long, long time ago. Smart, because they really are effective. Um, but did they? Because they use it against each other all the freaking time. Well, they burned it on yeah. the human side. Well, yeah, I know. I'm saying they probably just like replanted them. They're like, hmm, I'm going to take these ash trees so that we have weapons <laughs> against other fairies. Right. Why can't we yeah. all just get along? Are they fairies or are they fae? She's been, Pharaoh has been referring to them as fairies. Okay. I don't know. It's just not what I picture. I just called them fae in my head because that just sounds less. I have wings. I Tinker felt Bell. like that was like yeah. She literally has almost. been. Yeah. She, okay. Well, she, Pharaoh right, writes, Pharaoh thinks. Fairy. Fairies. Maybe I wonder. Let's I think try it changes attention. once she gets. Yeah, because they because they, they do high guys. like they have the high fae and like the lesser fae is what they. I right. think maybe that's what mortals just call them. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so she says that she's had this arrow for three years and it's been untouched. She hasn't used it. She's even wondered if it's fake. Like, is it a waste of money? She got it at a time where she had a little bit extra cash. But who knows? Like, did someone just like have this piece of wood that looked like it and sold it for? a way too high price um and i don't even think that their legends and rumor show the true depth of how dangerous ash arrows are to the fae mm-hmm. because she describes it as faltering their healing magic which is true but when we see it later on it's like literally debilitating mm-hmm. like it even stops a force like reese who is described as the most powerful high lord like his magic is canceled out yeah. he can't do anything um, so and Feyre, like Fe- I mean, Feyre's yeah. pretty freaking powerful whenever yeah. she does. Well, but wasn't he shot with like a lot of them? So like, I There's wonder like if that's because he was shot with a lot. Not to say it wouldn't like one is not not de- 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 wow is debilitating. debilitating, right? But like he gets shot with a ton of them. Yeah, right. Just to let you know how strong he is. Yeah, true. Um, so she draws this yeah, arrow. <laughs> She Again. still thinks she's undetected by this wolf. And she's thinking, if I aim right, this arrow is long and heavy enough to probably inflict damage. Maybe it would kill him. And she thinks, my chest became so tight it ached. And in that moment, I realized my life boiled down to one question. Was the wolf alone? So is she afraid of, like, a pack of wolves here? Or is she actually convinced so. it's a fairy and she's worried, like, I don't really have a chance against one. So, like, <laughs> if there's more... Am I totally screwed right now? I assumed a pack because earlier in the chapter, she talks about how people have said that there are packs of wolves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh, I think she, that she yeah, might think yeah. that it's odd that there's just one. So and she's she worried that it could be more. Into like wolf territory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Feyre describes herself as a decent shot, but she's never, she's never actually faced a wolf at all. S- small or this giant sized one. Um, she doesn't know how fast they move. She doesn't know the right, place to hit like she would on the animals she's used to hunting and like right now she can't afford to miss like her life's kind of on the line right now um kind of kind of so she says not when i had only one ash arrow and if it was indeed a fairy's heart pounding under that fur then good riddance good riddance after all their kind had done to us i wouldn't risk this one later creeping into our village to slaughter and maim and torment let him die here and now i'd be glad to end him so I think I think she knows that this is a fairy. I think she's trying to maybe convince herself that it's not because yeah. if it is, she's willingly committing a murder. 
no matter how much she thinks that they deserve it and i don't blame her for how she's thinking fairy. yes it's yeah. still another you Life. know yeah being, well not that a wolf yeah. wouldn't be I, another yeah, but i know what you mean yeah um and i think that uh, some part of her at this point in time because part of the like prophecy or foretelling or whatever does say that it has to be a mortal with hate in her heart for mm-hmm. the fairies right yeah she's super prejudiced yeah right now this. heck yeah. yeah so i think there is a part of her that just yep. wants to kill him like sh- she wants to have that control over she's just like protecting her own mind by saying it's a wolf it's right fine. i right. i don't think she really knows for sure and i think she's just like because it's so large she goes there's a high chance that it is but when she kills it and then it doesn't transform she's like oh then it's just a wolf and like moves on so that yeah. was something that maybe like mortals think that's not true like jade they change back and they die yeah, probably. She she thinks But like a lot I wonder like <laughs> if Tamlin died in his like beastie form or Reese or whomever, you know, they're all whoever can transform. I wonder if they would transform back to their normal thing. And if it's different because Tamlin changed him into the wolf. Possibly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. But go on. Um so the wolf's creeping close to the doe and it steps on a twig which alerts the doe. Um, it looks like he's getting ready to pounce it. She, uh, he still has the upper hand on the doe because where he is, the doe can't see or smell him. So Pharaoh's watching this whole thing go down and she's thinking, if the wolf scares the doe, I'm left with nothing but a starving wolf who's going to come after me looking for the next meal. Also, this wolf again could possibly be Faye. And if he kills the doe, I've lost a meal and the hide and like it just sucks anyway. So she thinks, if I judged wrongly, my life wasn't the only one that would be lost. But my life had been reduced to nothing but risk these past eight years that I'd been hunting in the woods, and I'd pick correctly most of the time. Most of the time. So she just, she goes for it. The wolf suddenly pounces. He looks even bigger out in the open. This doe doesn't stand a chance, and she makes a choice and fires the ash arrow before he can destroy the doe anymore. Survival? I don't know. You know, what are you going to do? You've got like it's split seconds and you have to decide so quick. Yeah. It literally would have done the same thing she did. For sure. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. him or me. <laughs> Probably sooner. Well, it's like, it's also like the lesser of evils. Like, what are you, what are you going to do? Like you're trying to yeah. survive. You're protecting yourself. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Yes. She fought. <laughs> So Feyre shoots her shot. She hits the wolf. (laughs) (laughs) Just right now, you're done. (laughs) And it seems as if the ground shudders. So blood sprays the ground. The wolf turns his yellow eyes towards her. She kind of stands with like, she's got another arrow. It's notched, ready to fire. It's like the whole thing is drawn. She's ready to go. And she and the wolf have like what almost kind of seems like a standoff. And I think like any regular wolf wouldn't just stand there. They probably would either run towards her or Or run away. away. Mm -hmm. Um, But this one doesn't. So she shoots another arrow and the wolf doesn't even move out of the way. And it hits him right in the eye and he falls. And she seems shocked because she's like the way that she she shot him right in the eye. And almost the entire arrow, it seems, is inside this wolf's skull. Um, But he's not dead. He's just dying. 
So she like kind of looks around. She keeps her distance from him, knowing that like, yes, he's soon going to be dead. And then from the book, it says he pawed at the ground. His breathing are already slowing. Was he in much pain or was his whimper just his attempt to shove death away? I wasn't sure I wanted to know. That's sad. Um, and I think because re- at this point in time, she's on survival mode of like kill or be killed, eat or die, really, because she doesn't find anything to eat. They're all going to starve within, honestly, days. Um, that's where they're at at this point. And I think you see later on how both her and Reese have this like self-sacrificing thing that they like to do. Um, but you see how she cares about other creatures Mm -hmm. where like in this moment, it's not that she can't care or won't care or doesn't care. It's just that she kind of has to care for herself. She's almost like at her wit's end and there's nothing left for her to do, except she just got to make sure that her and her family survive. Um, but later on when she has like the means, we see her with, with Tamlin, like with the, um, the tithe and stuff where she like gives stuff to the people mm-hmm. in the water. I can't remember what their names are. Right. And, and it comes back to I help her in the end because she was kind because she had something to give then. And right now she doesn't. Yeah. Um, so she watches him as he takes his last breath and he doesn't turn into a face. So she's like pretty sure he's just a normal wolf. And she knows that she has to choose between like the doe and the wolf because she can't carry both of them. Cause she's not that strong and they're both not small. Um, so she skins the wolf and she cleans the, her arrows as much as she can. And then this is the part, like I've read, read this book twice and I never picked this up. Like I didn't realize. And I don't know why I thought she brought the whole wolf back. But she just covers, so she skins the wolf and then she covers the doe in the wolf skin and picks the deer up to bring it home. But she covers it so that, um, like, the, the spot that the wolf was biting that's bleeding, that she doesn't want it to be tracked back to her because uh, she doesn't want any other, like, predators that are in the woods to... You know, find her. Yeah. Um, And then I was thinking, I'm like, I wonder if this is like just symbolism here or like foreshadowing with like the fact that it's a deer in wolf's clothing instead of like, you know how they say sheep. Yes. A wolf in sheep's clothing. But yes, right now it's a deer. A deer is covered in wolf's clothing. We're like, think of Reese where you meet him and everyone assumes that he's like this big evil Mm -hmm. man. And he, he's like, everybody's enemy, but really like what he's doing is he's really just trying to figure out like what's best for his people and like really what's best for the whole continent part of um, Prithian where he wants like the least amount of like death to happen. Cause he's seen what ha- he's seen what has happened before. Um, and he doesn't want that to happen again. Mm-hmm. I think it could also <laughs> be foreshadowing for Tamlin. Um, yeah. Because, you know, she's going to think the worst of him for a long time and then ends up falling in love with him by, well, does she fall in love with him? I don't know. But, you know, whatever. She breaks the curse. She she definitely loved him. Yeah, she loved him. I don't want to believe that, but I guess she probably did. (laughs) You can love more than one person. I think that she loved him because he cared for her, which is I mean, they're all different types of love. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like that's a really good symbolism for Tamlin and for Reese, which I think is really cool that it fits both. Mm-hmm. So she picks the deer up, 
she gives the wolf one last glance. Um, she actually pick it up. Yeah, I think she like has it over her shoulder. That's a small ass deer because usually <laughs> you got to drag deer. I think she picks it up. I'm not saying she, she did didn't, say but that like, it was like not. That's got to be small. But it was desperate enough to be eating bark, so it probably was not a large deer. Yeah. yeah she tiny. said she um, covers the deer or whatever, and she, before I hoisted her across my shoulders. Tiny deer. Um, she probably jacked up on adrenaline, too. Yeah. Yeah. So she's... Um, she gives, like, the wolf one last glance. The wolf's one eye is, like, staring up in the sky. And it kind of sets us up for, like, how... Um, at this point in time with Feyre and her feelings, like she's not thinking about, she's not thinking about having any remorse for it or anything. She's just kind of like, this is just what happened. Um, and we see that it takes her a while to kind of get out of this mindset, uh, where it's really like, you know, she's, she, he's going to do what she needs to, to survive. And so from the book, the last sentence is, but this was the forest and it was winter because mm-hmm. she needed to kill the wolf because she needed to get home and it's not just her that she's worried about. She's feeding three other people. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it. She's walking out of the woods. I was really sad reading it for the first time. I think I texted you. I was like, why are you making me read something <laughs> where a pooch dies? Yeah. Very upset. Yeah. I still sad. don't like reading it. Yeah. Mm. Oh Yeah. And that's chapter one. <laughs> chapter chapter one. one. Chapter one. Well, thanks for following us on this journey of chapter one. But all the sads. you can follow all of us um, on our personal accounts if you would like as well. So myself, Megan, and Katie are on Twitter and Instagram at the Petrus Family. Tiffany is on Twitter and Instagram at tiffswish underscore flick. And Sarah is on Instagram at omalley with three H's. Thank you all so much for listening and for your support. We appreciate you so much. Take care and remember, only you can decide what breaks you. My book was delivered. I'm happy for you. <laughs>